0: I mean, sure, you need to know your craft. You need to know your skill. You need to be skilled. You need to be working at your skills. You have to be doing all those things. But the most important thing that you bring to the table is you. You need to know who you are. You need to know what is right and good for you and what is not right and good for you. You need to know those parameters for yourself so that no one will step across that line for you. And I'm not just talking about, you know, sexual issues and and, and crossing that line, but I'm I'm talking about personality. I'm talking about environment. Um, I'm talking about all those things. You need to know what are the things that help you to thrive. What kind of an environment do you need to thrive? What kind of an environment are you willing to work under? What kind of conditions are you willing to work in and be able to thrive? And the only way you can determine that is if you know who you are and that you are grounded in who you are.
1: Welcome back to Pictures Up, the podcast where we discuss careers in film. Today's episode is part two of an interview that I did with Atlanta-based actor Maria Sager. We're picking up her story uh, as she is just finishing up her schooling at an acting program that she did partway into her career, and now she's finishing up that program, and I'll I'll go ahead and let her take it from here in today's episode of Pictures Up.
0: It's interesting because I was graduating, and at that point Southern had invited John to apply to be one of the deans, and so he applied and then they offered him a job. And that kind of i thought that i was going to go get my mfa so i was looking into grad school and i had several offers um, for grad school and so where did you end up well i ended up not going because oh, okay. um well there's this uh there's john this, was hired at southern yeah john was hired at southern i was graduating and right as i was graduating john was hired at southern so the following academic year which would have been my first year in grad school he right. was starting at Southern. So, you know, when a family uproots like that, you can't and and grad school was going to be was going to be either in Kentucky or it was going to be in Knoxville or potentially up in the Northeast. And he's starting a new job, it's very stressful, we're moving um And an MFA in theater, there's no online MFA for theater. (laughs) Um, An MFA for theater is three really difficult years. And it's hardcore, and it's there on that campus because you're producing. You're just producing a lot of material. So it just didn't seem like the right time for me to get my MFA. So I was going to hold off, and I was looking for work. And there were no teaching jobs available, not even in the public school system, not in the academy system, nothing, nothing, nothing. I was relegated to working at the mall, which is a really low blow for someone who's been a professional for, you know, close to 10 years. That's a really tough pill to swallow. Um, So I was working at the mall for almost a year. And during that time, I started courting the chaplain's office at Southern, telling them I'm here, um, I don't know what your plans are with destiny, but I have a degree right now, and these are the things that I can do. Um, tell me, Think about it and let me know what you can provide for me. And that's when we started negotiating and working something out, and they could offer me a task force salary, is what they could offer me. And I took it to revamp Destiny to get it up on its feet again, because it had floundered and it had pretty much fallen apart. So I took the challenge and I took it and, and then I saw, then I thought, you know, I could stick around here. I can do this and I can start promoting myself to some of the other departments and see if we can develop an acting program at Southern. Again, I fell back on directing, teaching, going in that direction. Still not focused on acting. And so for the next three years, I devoted myself to doing Destiny, and eventually the journalism department hired me to teach an intro to acting class. And then eventually you guys, the film department, hired me to, to help start with the directing class and between one thing and another when I saw all the hours that I was putting in I saw that I was putting in as much time as a full-time employee yeah I'm
1: sure you were
0: and if you included the touring and and all of the stuff that I was doing with destiny I mean destiny really the way that I was doing it and running it it was essentially a full-time job so, I went to the President several times and asked, "Can we i wanted to make a proposal I made a propo- several proposals actually for Southern to hire me full time and to help me pay for my m f a and help me to develop an acting program but um, they wouldn't do it the The support just wasn't there yeah. and also." You know, they kind of got away with paying me a quarter salary of a full time employee because I worked for three different p- departments. Right. So contract pay from one school, contract pay from another, and and so on. And that just kind of wore on me.
1: Yeah. Adjun- it, uh, for anybody listening out there, um, if you uh, if you have the time and you and, and you want to teach <clears throat> one class or something, that's that's one thing. But if you end up teaching several classes you're not you're not going to have enough time to make enough money to live. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. Yeah. And you know and it's because and that in in large part contributed to me leaving southern. Mm. Because I got to the point where um I got to the point where I thought, you know, I'm doing all of this work and I'm getting paid so little. If I'm going to work this hard and make no money, then I might as well be an actor.
1: Right. A fair point.
0: Yeah. I finally got to that place. Then I might as well be an actor. There were two things that thrusted me forward past that. Because it's really hard to walk away from a steady salary. Right. I promised myself, number one, I promised myself that I would... When I became a teacher, I promised myself that I would leave teaching when I no longer loved it. When I no longer had that juice for it, when I ran out of juice, Mm. I was walking away. Mm. Because the public school system that I went to, they were all burnt out teachers. And that made an impact, an impression on me. And I just told myself that I would not do that. So that was the first thing. And I could feel, a couple of years before I left, I could feel that waning. That, that it was becoming burdensome, that it, the joy that I had was no longer there. So I started just thinking forward, what am I going to do? Thinking about what was laying in the future for me. And then the other thing that happened was one of my students in Destiny had a frank conversation with me and asked me, why I wasn't acting. Hmm. Why haven't I stepped out to be an actor? What'd you say? And I just said that I was too cowardly to try. Hmm. And I remember her saying, well, didn't you tell me that your professors in theater, in theater school, that they were all actors and they were still acting. I mean, that's part of the profession, right? At a university. Right. You have to continue making films. You have to continue producing. Mm. Other professors have to write, have to publish. And here I was teaching drama and, and developing and directing, but I wasn't acting. So the year before I left, I pursued acting at the community theater, and I did really well, and I forgot how much I missed it, Mm. and between those three things, I said, you know, the final year that I have, I'm just going to save my money that I make, and I'm just going to step out and see what happens. I left in 2006, and between 2006 and 2008, I had nothing to show for it. I had, I had no work. Um, the theater community here in Atlanta wouldn't hire me because I wasn't local.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: And they wouldn't hire me because they didn't know me. So there's that conundrum, you know, you, that you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. I don't live here, and they don't know me. The only way they'll know me is if I work here. But in order for me to work here, I have to live here. So how do I make that happen? So it took three years of me driving back and forth to Atlanta and just showing up, showing up at productions, volunteering to usher, showing up at theaters, sh- going to auditions and auditioning and auditioning and hearing the same thing. Do you live here? Oh, you don't? Well, we can't hire you. Right. So one day I decided to take a, I, I started taking classes, like workshops that some of these directors. That was the other step. I started taking workshops that some of these directors were offering. And one director in particular, after we were almost done with that class, she was producing a play. And she said that she really wanted to audition me for it. But she said, and I think you would be perfect for the role. But do you live here? I mean, can you figure out a way to live here? Because I can't pay for you to travel. And I said, well, let's, let me audition and let's go from there. I auditioned, I got the role, and then I had to figure out a way to plant myself here. And that kind of got the ball rolling. When was that? That was in 2008, April okay. of 2008. Ten years ago. Mm-hmm. April yeah. 2008. The following year, I had another show. And the year after that, I had another show. And it took five years of doing basically one show a year, subletting rooms from strangers mm. and from different people, being away from home, because those were just those shows, but that didn't count all the times that I was trying to find an agent and, and doing little itty-bitty things and student projects and reading. and I mean, all that other stuff just kept putting one foot in front of the other only to have one theater production to show for it at the end of the year. Um, How
1: long would those shows run?
0: Two, three months.
1: Okay, so you're working a quarter of the year. Yeah, as, yeah.
0: getting paid. Right. I'm getting paid yeah. a quarter that's of the a, year. That's an
1: important distinction.
0: Yeah, and it's non-union pay, so it's less. Um, but it took five years for me to get Momentum. And in the last five years, it's been, I've been gainfully employed in the theater.
1: Okay, for the last five.
0: For the last five. Gotcha. And by gainfully empo- employed, I mean, I have actually made a little profit. <laughs> I wasn't in the red. Um, and I think it was last year, the year before last, when I actually made... I made a little more than I was making at Southern. So it took me 10 years to get to here.
1: Wait, you made a little more than you were making at Southern when they, they when were paying I you a quarter uh-huh. salary? Uh-huh. Well, that's a little sober.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, and you got to remember something. But here's the thing is that it took me 10 years... Um, I'm now a union actor. I am SAG and AFTRA eligible. Um I've done at least a handful of television shows and I got union pay and I have those credits. Uh I have an agent. I do voiceover. I do all kinds of other jobs and that that are theater or actor related. Um and I'm at the point now where I'm auditioned like everybody else, but I'm at the point now where I'm being offered roles
1: mm.
0: without Cause having they know, to. Because
1: they know who you are now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The whole community knows who I am. And I've become one of those actors that they call and they say, I want you to play this role. Or they call me and they want to audition me. I think I think you're perfect for this role. And I book it. Yeah, it's, it's been, in, in that respect, it's been a, consistently affirming that I'm on the right path.
1: Right. So you mentioned joining the union. You know, what, what, what are the things that you would consider as an actor as far as joining the union versus not? Uh, you know, my somewhat cursory understanding is that it means that you, uh, when you're working, generally you're going to be better taken care of um it it means that there are jobs you couldn't have done before that you can do now but it also might mean that there are jobs that you can't do now that you could have done before uh am i on the right track what yeah. am i missing
0: no that's all true all of that is true
1: so yeah. so walk us through your decision making process for for joining and how how that's been you know if it if it essentially worked out the way that you sort of looking forward hoped it would go
0: it's different for everybody, and everybody joins the union for different reasons. I've been union eligible for two or three years now, and it took earning you know, working union contracts for a certain number of weeks and collecting those weeks, and then you're eligible. I see. Um, and then you decide you have a certain period of time to be able to join. I put off joining because... Georgia is a, a right-to-work right state. state. Yeah. So joining the union poses those challenges. If I were working in New York, then being in the union is an absolute must. If I were working in Los Angeles, it's an absolute must. And the same with Chicago. But here, it's a little different. There are only, I think, a handful of equity houses here. These are houses that hire union actors, predominantly union, union actors. Um, so, you know, you have the competition is stiff. You have a lot of actors that are competing for those few jobs. And um, so it, it, it makes it challenging to decide whether to join the union or not. Many of the actors join the union. Once they get to that place, they join the union because number healthcare is a big one. Sure. That's huge, which is not a challenge for me because my husband is gainfully employed at Southern. I have insurance through him. I don't I need insurance. So the union doesn't benefit me for for medical insurance. Uh, joining the union also provides you with an opportunity to save for retirement and to put something away for retirement. That's not an issue for me either because my husband and I have long been setting up our retirement, and it's under... It's through him, through his employment, and so on and so forth. And so we're taken care of in both of those respects. So the benefit of me joining the union at this point in my life is I decided to join because, number one, I feel like I earned my dues. I feel like I earned my position as a union actor, as being a union actor now does not pose a threat to me being hired. Versus to before when I was an unknown. I see. Before when I was an unknown, if I would have been a union actor, then a theater, just financially speaking, would look at me and say, we don't know her. She's playing a smaller role. She does not need to be. We need a non-union actor. We can't afford afford her. So that was the downside then. But now I've established a relationship. I'm viewed as my work is viewed as as um, appealing. It's it's attractive to a theater. I've established a following. I have uh, an audience that's Mm -hmm. specific to me. And so for a theater to be able to say that I'm in the show, that's. A plus for them. So now they're willing to pay me union wages. Gotcha. And union wages are higher than non union wages. Um, So that's the biggest reason for me to be union. And I also have plans in the future. I don't know when, but I would like to start. I just did my first regional theater production at the Alliance. So my plan is now that I have that on my credit. I want to start doing more regional theater, and you have to be union for that.
1: I see. So, so what's regional theater? I'm gonna display my ignorance.
0: (laughs) So, regional theater; those are the big theaters of every particular state. So, the alliance is the regional theater. It's the theater. There are different classifications to theaters. There are small equity, small professional theaters which are most of the theaters that are equity theaters. They're called small professional theaters. And then you have the the next step up, which is generally a regional theater, which is the big theater I in
1: understand. the state.
0: Yeah, they're going to be a LORT classification, which is part of the League of um, Regional Theaters. So the Alliance is a regional theater. Um, new Stage in Jackson, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi is a regional theater. Um, the Clarence Brown Theater, that's part of the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Um, I believe they're a regional theater.
1: So it's the it's the bigger <clears throat> ones that you might consider people from the whole surrounding area to uh-huh. drive in to, to town yeah. or whatever yeah. for a for a thing versus a you know a little black box yeah. somewhere or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, being on the other end.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, and so these theaters. They're very important to Broadway. I see. Because they're the, so the small professional theaters. yes. Sort of the feeders.
1: Theaters, yes. The sp- so a, so, sort of a whole system of feeding mm-hmm. up.
0: Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So that's kind of where the small professional theater may have a new work, for example, that has uh, a local premiere that may be the, a regional theater somewhere in the States, that maybe a regional theater somewhere in the States might pick up, and then they do a regional premiere. And that could become viable for Broadway or Off-Broadway. And so that's kind of exactly the stream that leads up to Broadway. So regional is right before Off-Broadway, and then Broadway I is, the, is the top. Um, so they're very important. And, and regional theaters generally... Hire actors out of New York.
1: <laughs> I see.
0: So it's really a funny thing, but, um, and that's another conversation how n- people go to New York to find, you know, to become a famous actor or to become an actor, and they end up working on regional theaters and never getting on Broadway, uh, which is right. a funny thing. But um, so part of the incentive of me getting my union card is. I eventually want to do regional work. I see. And I do want to make my way to New York City at some point. Or for that matter, I'm not closing any doors anymore. I want to do regional theater. I want to do theater in Spain, and I want to do theater in Chile, and I want to do theater in New York and possibly even England.
1: So I hear sort of this vision. (laughs) Um, How does that relate I may have just misread you, but I feel like some of the things that you said earlier suggested uh, a focus more on uh, for camera Mm -hmm. acting. How do these two uh, trajectories overlay with each other?
0: Well, the film and television, now that I have my union card, now that I have regional credit, I feel like I can let that go for a little while. And I can focus more on film and television. And focusing more on film, film and television has a lot to do with both needing a season to get a reprieve from weekend work, right? And it also has to do with the momentum that there is here right now in Atlanta. I see. I'm,
1: you feel like there are opportunities there. Yes, I've, now SAG is for screen actors. Mm-hmm. AFTRA is for theater.
0: SAG is Screen Actors Guild, mm-hmm. and AFTRA is for um, after it is for commercial and also for voice.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking voiceover. through the ac- acronym now. Uh, oh, Alliance AEA. For, okay. Oh, AFTRA. AFTRA. It, AFTRA is film, television, radio. Uh-huh. Right. That's the FTR. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Association. Yeah. And then is, so what union did you join?
0: So I joined the AEA, which is the Actors Equity Association. Okay. That's for actors. And, and does that managers.
1: does that apply like if you were to get on a movie that's a SAG show, would mm-hmm. you like How do the how do the different unions play with each other, I guess? Like do you have to be a member of all of them? Do you like
0: That's a really good question. They actually play really well with each other. Okay. Yeah, because, um, I mean, the the labor movement right now is kind of in a precarious situation, in a precarious state. Um, And so that's kind of forced a lot of unions to play well with one another. Oh, interesting. Um, So the union
1: feels in a less strong position right now, which is making them more... Amenable, yes, essentially.
0: exactly. So an actor can, if you have, like for Actors' Equity, for the theater union, if you're wanting to join and you don't have enough weeks accumulated, but you're a SAG and AFTRA actor, you can become an AEA union member. I see. So, and SAG and AFTRA sort of do a similar thing with AEA. So what that's kind of created is this recognition amongst the unions. If you have a professional union card, then that generally says that you are a professional, that you have accumulated a certain amount of experience to, to garner you with a union recognition. Um, so having my AEA card gives me an added edge If, let's say, I wanted to go to another country and work at another country, because other countries also, the the United States also recognizes unions from England and also unions from Canada. So if I wanted to do a regional theater in Canada, they recognize AEA. Mm. So I'm still part of that professional community. and, and, And that gives me just a little bit of a leg up. Versus, if I stepped into I don't know if I went to Toronto and I wanted to audition over there for their professional theater without a union card, then that's a little bit more of a challenge, not impossible, I but see. a little more of a challenge.
1: Right. One of the things that um, that has been part of part of your story, you know, one of the running uh, recurring themes is your husband mm-hmm. and what uh, what kind of of spouse does uh, is helpful for a person who is wanting to pursue a career, in your case, being acting. But I think a lot of the film trades, I think, have similar, some of the same. I'm sure there are some that are different, but some that are the same. Yeah. Uh, some challenges to, like, things that that make relationships difficult in mm-hmm. some ways. Can you talk about that, I guess? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, that's a really great question it's, um, it's been a journey starting out was difficult because in order to be able to build this networking base here in Atlanta, that means I had to leave home and Atlanta just became the target, not necessarily because Atlanta was the target, but it was the closest, biggest town to home. Right. Something that I can do in a day. So it just sort of worked out that way. Initially, it, it, it was challenging because, I mean, he was starting a new career, a new job in a new place um, with different responsibilities. You know, the, the whole, the learning curve, those first few years on a new job are, are, can be challenging. And then not having that support system back at home To help you with those challenges is difficult. So the companionship that he needed, I also needed. And we just had to navigate that with each other. It took a lot of conversations, a lot of expressing what hopes I had. And I also gave myself a deadline. I told myself if I don't get any traction within the next three years then I need to consider something else. Mm. And it's sort of the commitment that I made with my spouse. I also made provisions before I left Southern. I saved, we lived off of one salary, and I saved that money. Mm. So that, because to step out to be an actor, you're going to do one of two things. Either you're going to work in retail, or you're going to work in, or you're going to work in a restaurant the actor's challenge is finding work that you can drop on a dime. Right. But it's still going to put food on your table and keep a roof over your head. You know, at the age that I struck out, which was 36, generally an actor is starting right after college mm-hmm. or right after high school. Right. I'm starting out at 36 away from home and I have a husband and I have a home. So I needed to make financial provisions to make sure that that it didn't take away from our household budget that I was not a financial burden or liability to him. That's one of the ways that I set things up so that we can work together on this. And the other thing was setting up a deadline for myself and just a lot of communication. And when those moments of frustration and loneliness came up and and anxiety, it, it just dealing with them and talking them through and talking them out. Um, One thing that I would have done differently if I could go back in time would have been to be more compassionate Mm. towards him Mm. in the sense of sometimes when you're pursuing a dream or you're pursuing a career, we can perceive the complaints of a loved one as them attempting to thwart us from achieving what we want to Mm. achieve. And that's generally not the case. What it is is if we approach them with more compassion, then we're capable of hearing that what they're really saying is that they're lonely. What they're really saying is that they need support. What they're really saying is that they need to know that they matter and that they're a part of this family. And if you can hear that, then you can make provisions for okay, I need to be present. I need to listen more. Or when I am home, how can I make that meaningful in such a way that satiates that person for the next haul? See what I mean? Yeah. And um, because we got to take care of each other. And if I have the expectation of him taking care of me, while I try to pursue this very unpredictable career, then I have a responsibility to take care of him. And figuring that out is difficult. Um, but if you can figure it out, it's very rewarding. And we got to the place where we were able to do things in such a way and, 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 God placed it in our path to be able to get a little place here in Atlanta. And so now the man has his own little hotel room, you know, basically his little suite here in Atlanta. It's his. It belongs to him. Mm. And whenever, you know, he's off of work, he comes down to Atlanta. And if I'm doing a, a theater production, his days off, he's, he loads up the cat and he comes down to and he stays at the apartment and then when my days are off, on my days off, I go home. And essentially, we're seeing each other as often, or if not more often, than some couples that live together, right? Because life can get so busy, but, but you take for granted that you're living together, that you're seeing each other every day, but you're not necessarily seeing each other. Yeah.
1: It's easy to take for granted the, the presence of a person that you share a- Share a house with Mm -hmm. to where you don't necessarily feel like you need to make an effort to connect with them.
0: Yeah. But there's something really funny about acting that there's a saying that goes, if you want to get a job, go on vacation. If you want to book a job, take time off.
1: Right. Yeah. Because then suddenly it'll pop up. It
0: suddenly pops up. It happens every time, every single time.
1: And I know this is true for all kinds of people in film as well, which is that you you are a little afraid to ever say no because there's exactly. the anxiety of, well, it's they're going to find somebody else. And, you know, that person that they find, they'll probably ask first next time. And,
0: exactly. It's feast yeah. or famine. It really is.
1: One of the things that I think that can be attractive is that you do have more flexibility in your schedule. But what I find is that at least some people I've talked to about it they're just afraid to to actually take time away Mm like is that has that been your experience
0: absolutely yeah because I mean I it's taken me almost a decade to create the momentum that I have now and with any art form as soon as you step out and you walk away from it then all of a sudden I mean you get replaced we are all replaceable and you get replaced, and th- this kind of a career is about momentum and keeping that momentum going, keeping that ball rolling. Right. Um, I mean, even superstars are afraid of stepping out of the limelight for a little while. Right. You know, musicians and singer-songwriters, they and actors, when they step out of the limelight for a little while, that's a scary prospect, even when you've made it, when you've. You know, you're the top one percent. It's still a scary prospect because there's the possibility that you will not be able to return, or it's going to be that so difficult to return to have a comeback. Um, so that's that's a perpetual challenge, I think, to anyone who who produces any kind of art yeah. and who's b- been able to create any kind of momentum where the work starts coming in and you're not fighting so hard for it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but, you know, the flip side to that is seasons change. The The seasons are always changing. And you could be in a full momentum flow where the work is just coming and coming and coming. And then something happens without you stepping out. Something happens and and you can find yourself all of a sudden... It's, you're going into a famine. There, the work isn't coming, and it's not coming as easily, and you're having to fight really, really hard. You may, it doesn't matter how many years of experience you have, let's say in film and television, it doesn't matter how many credits you have under your belt. It doesn't matter how many years of experience you have. It used to be that those actors that had those years of experience and so on, they were calling their own salaries. They were, they were saying, you're going to pay me this much for this job. But then something really unique happened after the writers' strike. Everything shifted in all of the unions, and all of a sudden, because there's no want for actors, and so this particular actor who has a name, who has experience, who's a brilliant actor, for that actor, there's going to be another one with less experience, with with no representation or whatever, who's willing to work for anything, for nothing. The trouble is now that there's no building... You know, there's no going up, like, the salary ladder anymore. Um, There are a lot of well-named actors who are having to work for scale because of that very reason. And the other thing that's also contributed to that has been um, these reality TV shows. Right. I mean, the same thing has happened for writers. Writers are struggling to find work because reality TV makes so much more money. They don't have to be union the people that are on the show are not actors. And so they're not union. They're getting nothing. Right. Um, But it's a big cash cow. Right. So scripted material. Although I,
1: I think, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with any of that, but I feel like the whole reality phenomenon, I mean, is still there, but it's, I feel like we're seeing the pendulum swing back. I think, you mm-hmm. know, with, Netflix think, and Hulu yeah, and exactly. Amazon. I mm-hmm. think that maybe people are already seeing this, but I think certainly it's likely that when we look back, we'll see this as sort of a halcyon days of a certain kind of yeah. thing happening. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, I, I feel like um, Atlanta's film uh, community, it feels like in everything I hear and read that uh, that it has been in this really uh this time of renaissance Mm -hmm. or time of of boom if you will Mm -hmm. and uh you know just researching you know reading in the atlanta journal constitution there's an article in there that published a current listing of all the shows in production and it was almost it's close to a hundred tv shows currently in production and yeah uh you know, and, and huge movies, you know, you look at how many movies have been shot down here and even stuff you don't realize was shot here. And you're like, Oh, that movie was shot Mm -hmm. either all or partly in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, so what is, uh, what is it like living in Atlanta? It seems, you know, I live up the road in Chattanooga and every time I come to Atlanta, uh, forgive me Atlanta people, but it, (laughs) it feels like I've found the place that, uh, As the traffic of Los Angeles and the climate of uh, the deep south. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, You know, it took me a little while to get used to Atlanta, but it had more to do with the fact that I'm from New Jersey and I grew up in front of Manhattan. Yeah, And so I'm I'm accustomed to an urban community being laid out a certain way. Okay. And also... um, yeah, so I'm accustomed to a major metropolis being laid out a specific way. And also, I feel that what you give up when you leave the country to go to the city, you should gain in transportation, public transportation specifically. And so that's been one of the things that was difficult for me. Um, when I was growing up in New Jersey, you just didn't need a car. Yeah. I, you know, I knew of people that were in their thirties and never owned a car, didn't have a driver's license because it was unnecessary. You, you lived in the city, and you could get anywhere within the tri-state area actually uh, using nothing but public transportation. So, I kind of had that expectation when I came down to Atlanta, and it's just very, very different. So having to get that adjustment period was a challenge. And, you know, also that there are like 10 different Peachtree streets, Yes. Peachtree Industrial, Peachtree Dunwoody. And, you know, so initially when I first came down here, I didn't have a smartphone. So when I had directions, you know, off of Google Maps or something on a printed page, I was looking for Peachtree, and you know the, you have West Peachtree and Peachtree parallel to each other in downtown Atlanta. So when you're new and you come in and you and you you know you're faced with that, it's really challenging. So needless to say, the compass became a really good friend of mine because <laughs> I just knew okay, I have to go north or I have to go east or west or what what have you. I would say that aside from getting Acclimated to the layout of the land in Atlanta, I have found Atlanta to be not devoid of its challenges, mm-hmm. um, like the public transportation situation, and of course the urban uh, the urban renewal that's going on that that leaves a lot of people out. Uh, the gentrification oh. that's happening throughout the city okay um yeah there's Are a you saying
1: it's becoming a more expensive place to live yes it is yeah. it
0: is not in a lot of communities when i first started coming down here i remember certain communities that i would hang out at or or whatever that were made up of you know average folk middle class folk and lower middle class who had these really lovely communities and then some artists came in and and took over some of the, the abandoned spaces. And it, they were really lovely places. And, you know, after the economy crashed in 2008, a lot of developers just kind of swooped in and, and just took a lot of property. And, and it's just been building up. Mm. Um, to, uh, and it's ushering in a different class of people, which is fine, but it, unfortunately it's pushed out a lot of these communities that pre-existed this development boom that's exe- that's happening right I now. See. So, What's but, the
1: culture like here?
0: You know, it's interesting. Um, it depends on where you go in the city, which I love and appreciate about it. I mean... You have a very international culture. If you go up and down Buford Highway, especially as you go further out of the city, out of the perimeter, all along Buford Highway, if you want, if you want f- food from different parts of Asia or different parts of Latin America, that's where you go. And a lot of times, that's where I hang out because uh, it makes me think of or reminds me of my neighborhood that I grew up in, mm. which is really lovely. Um, then then you have little pockets of little neighborhoods in different parts of the city that are really fun. And I love the art scene in Atlanta, especially the outdoor art. Atlanta has really embraced that, and they're producing art in different parts of the city. Um, there's also a lot of artist groups that are evolving to bring performance art and to bring... Um, experimental theater and so on to the public in a way that's accessible to communities that would not be able to afford going to the theater. So there's just a lot of exciting stuff happening in Atlanta. It's an exciting time for Atlanta. One of the things that I would say that I do love and absolutely adore about Atlanta is its beautiful canopy Mm. of trees. Um which I always longed for in New Jersey and okay. in New York City. Um, in New York City, you have Central Park, but it's, it's a solid steel and concrete city outside of Central Park with its right. little pockets of little community gardens and little little parks throughout the city. But the thing that I love about Atlanta the most is it's that it's not pushing you at a speed that knocks you out at the end of the day. Mm. Um, Traffic aside, if you're just in the city, just being in the city or working in the city and you don't have to deal with the traffic, the speed of the city, the speed of the community, and the vibe of the community is much more laid back. Mm. You feel it on set as well when you Mm. get the chance to work on set. It's much more accommodating and embracing. It's friendlier, more courteous. You know, that Southern hospitality.
1: Sounds like it's alive and well. Yes, yeah. it still is, okay. and
0: hopefully it won't change. Um, I mean, I still see that hospitality up north as a Northern girl. I get it. I know what New Yorkers and New Jersey people are about. They're not mean. They're right. gruff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're gruff. Some of them are mean, but let me tell you, there's plenty of mean people here in Atlanta with their southern hospitality <laughs> mixed in. So um, no place is devoid of its ills, but I really have grown to like and love Atlanta. Mm. And I feel just as much at home here as I do in in, in Little College Dale, Tennessee, yeah. in my little pasture yard. <laughs> so what...
1: Um what advice might you give somebody who's looking to make a start here?
0: Volunteer for as many organizations as you can. So when that's, you say
1: organizations, what what examples might you? Give?
0: Like WIFTA, for example, Women okay. in Film and, and Television. Okay. Okay.
1: That's not the first time I've heard that one is. That's a a
0: really great place to start. Yeah, you need to go to WIFTA. Women in Film and and Television is a national organization. It connects you to all of the national chapters throughout the nation, which includes New York and Los Angeles and Chicago. Um, Just this one is specific to Atlanta, and. I tell people you need to start volunteering for them for their events because that's a free way for you to network, for you to meet the producers at the local CBS or at Ted Turner, or you're going to meet the executives because they come to these events. You're going to run into filmmakers or um, people that are, are. Uh, it supports indie filmmakers, women, filmmakers, writers, producers, you name it. Um, so it'll put you in touch with people that are looking for someone to either do photography or to do writing or to do editing or whatever the case may be. So that's a really great place to begin. The other one is the Atlanta Film Festival. okay you can go online and see for look for volunteer opportunities. It's thriving it's growing it gets bigger every year. Those would be two really important places to kind of, get your footing to get to know, but you need to volunteer and that's how you start networking um, because anybody who's willing to volunteer is someone who's willing to work.
1: Gotcha. yeah
0: right um, There are a lot of people that step up don't make the assumption that just because you put out your resume that someone has that somehow you're entitled to be hired. This is a very small community, even though it's full of LA and New York people now, it is still a small community mm. and it's who you know. It's that always takes precedence because no one has the time to watch your demo reel, but they do know who they want on their team, who, who, who they want on their set, because they got to spend a lot of hours with you. And if you're not amenable to them, if they can't see your personality, if they can't see that you're a hard worker, then they're not likely to hire you. So that's the way to begin. Also, the Atlanta Film Festival... I believe there's a section for education for classes, and I often see classes and workshops for PAs. That's one of the best ways to get your foot in the door on a set.
1: Where is this? Where are the workshops?
0: um, I don't know where they are, where they hold them, but it's through the Atlanta Film Festival. Oh, okay. So the Atlanta Film Festival, if you go there and you look through education, they, in any case, you can always write the Atlanta Film Festival, and they will connect you somehow. I see. They will tell you what, that there's classes for PAs, and it's out of there that there's going to be someone who works in the movie industry or, the film, or in the film and television industry. And remember, my very first professional job happened as a result of me taking a class, and okay. the director was teaching the class. Of course, she had seen me many times before volunteering, so she had a memory of me, and that's where it started for me, and that's how it starts for most people.
1: Uh, It sounds like you have some experience in figuring out where where to live in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice on that?
0: For the most part, the community here is very generous, and there's this is a really great time because it's full of actors, It's full of editors, It's full of sound people. It's full of all kinds of, you know, little nomads yeah. <laughs> in the craft who are always looking for roommates. Okay. And who are always, um, it's through that networking that I just described that you'll find out if someone's looking for for a roommate. I would recommend that you start networking kind of get to know some people and put it out there that you're looking to relocate and if they if anybody knows of somebody who's looking for a roommate, let them know. Um, I would say also that you contact that you contact people that are several degrees of separation from someone you know. So let's say as an example, a student of yours is interested in going coming here to Atlanta. They don't know a soul in Atlanta, except they know you, even though you don't work in Atlanta, but you know me who works in Atlanta. So you can put them in touch with me. And then if they say I'm looking to relocate in Atlanta, do you know of anybody who's looking for a roommate? I can say... No, I don't know of anybody who's looking for a roommate, but let me put the word out to all of the people that I know that are working in the craft, because someone in there is always looking for a roommate, and I'll see if there's a room out there for you.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So,
0: that's a place to start.
1: Any idea what people should expect to to budget for uh, accommodations here, as far as the first rung?
0: Um. So because of development, the way that it's going, and at the rate that it's going, unfortunately, if you have visions of staying in a trendy neighborhood in Atlanta and living there, um, bohemian-like, uh, the chances of you being able to do that are slim, because yeah. it's just becoming less and less affordable. There are some pockets throughout inside of the perimeter throughout the city that you can still access, but it's going to be an old house and with five other roommates. Right. So, and that's, I mean, that's what people do in L.A., and that's what Mm -hmm. they do in New York as well. So that's nothing new to uh, to our people. (laughs) So I would say, and this is one of the reasons why Atlanta is booming right now, I would say that if you could be as fortunate enough to find... A little space in somebody's house, or you know, multi-room apartment, uh, and be able to get away with paying about 400 bucks a month. It just depends on, on the neighborhood. It depends on how many people living there, and so on. But it's possible. On average, however, I would say you need to budget somewhere between 650 to 950 dollars. That's the low end really that's yeah. that's a more realistic range for rent i mean there's plenty to access here but it's going to be way beyond the $1000 sure yeah but atlanta is doable within that price range with, within 600
1: to $900 my sense is that that's still quite a bit less than los angeles absolutely um, that that people are paying yeah. you know so those upper figures for yeah. a situation like your first, uh,
0: mm-hmm. you know. It's one of the draws for a lot of professional people. I mean, you know, veterans of the craft, uh, infrastructure people and actors alike leaving Los Angeles and New York, they come down here and they can actually buy a home. They can actually, you know, actors... If you are trying to make it as an actor in New York City, many actors, or in Los Angeles, many actors find themselves working working themselves to death, just trying to keep a roof over their head and food on their table and gas in their car. And that's the thing about Los Angeles versus here is they're both cities where you have to have a car.
1: Right. You have to
0: have a car. It's very difficult to make it without a car. However, the cost of living here as compared to Los Angeles is is just incredibly—I mean, the the disparity between the two is—the gap is pretty wide. So you can actually come here if you're looking at acting, say, for example. You can actually come here, and you can work a a, a minimum-wage job and actually have a room, have food on your table, and still go out and interview or audition for jobs. You can still do your day job and and, and 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 get your credits and start making your path, making your way to to working. And that's that's what's really wonderful about Atlanta is that you can actually have a, a life while pursuing this craft. Whereas if if it were Los Angeles or New York City, it would be all consuming. Like I I wouldn't be able to drop it.
1: You'd have to be working to pay just to make enough money to get by yeah. all the time. Yes. Yeah. I see. Yes.
0: So I, I tell a lot of young people who are starting out, I tell them, give Atlanta a try. Really, give Atlanta a try. If New York and Los Angeles... The best advice that another actor gave me... Actually, it, it was a, a producer or a director. I can't remember. Um, when I was talking about when I was first starting out and I wanted to go to New York... Because that 's always been my dream, they said, "Why are you going to go to New York empty handed mm. why don 't you go to New York with a full suitcase heck why don 't you go to New York with a couple of full suitcases And I never forgot that, and that 's the best advice that I could give any person who's starting out who lives within the vicinity here give Atlanta a try. Mm. The business is booming now. I mean, literally booming. Los Angeles is moving here, has moved here. I shouldn't say moving, has moved here. And New York has moved here. And it's just a perfect combination. And now's the time to get here before prices do skyrocket and the cost of living does get unmanageable. Um, This is the time. And it's a right-to-work state. So there's a lot of work to be had
1: It makes it easier to navigate that uh the the union scenario mm-hmm. a little bit because' you, that decision is not forced as early mm-hmm. on as it might be, mm-hmm. and you're able to states. fill
0: your suitcase in the process yeah right yeah you can you can start adding work to it, adding work right. and getting to know people before you join the union right. Until um, you get that call from Albuquerque and you have to use the union, <laughs> so right in New Mexico, yeah.
1: You mentioned uh, WIFTA, uh huh, and someone else mentioned that to me and said that it's Women in Film, but it's a resource that's uh, pretty pretty accessible for um, anybody. For both, yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? And also, um, as a follow up. Um, Any advice you have for for women who are pursuing these careers? Um, I'm not a woman. And and so I always feel, um, you know, a couple semesters ago, one of the things I like to do at the beginning of my classes is have a discussion about people's apprehensions for the the class. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's very helpful for everybody to talk a little bit about things they're excited about for the course, but also things that they're worried about a little bit. And uh, one of the students, a young woman, said, you know, cinematography is this field that seems like it's dominated by men. I worry about thriving in this environment. And, you know, I I shared some thoughts, uh, but uh, I'm I'm always looking for advice from the horse's mouth, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
0: Well, I would say... As far as women are concerned, the the same things that apply to to women, I think, also apply to men in the sense that when you step out into this work, the most valuable asset that you have is yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's really important that you know who you are above anything else. I mean, sure, you need to know your craft. You need to know your skill. You need to be skilled. You need to be working at your skills. You have to be doing all those things. But the most important thing that you bring to the table is you. You need to know who you are. You need to know what is right and good for you and what is not right and good for you. Before you come to the table, you need to know those parameters for yourself so that no one will step across that line for you. And I'm not just talking about, you know, sexual issues um, and and, and crossing that line, but I'm I'm talking about personality. I'm talking about environment. um, I'm talking about all those things. You need to know what are the things that help you to thrive. What kind of an environment do you need to thrive? What kind of an environment are you willing to work under? What kind of conditions are you willing to work in and be able to thrive? And the only way you can determine that is if you know who you are and that you are grounded in who you are. Because other because this business has a way of beating people up. I mean, it's true for medical school as well. I mean, any business, any, any career that you step into, it has a way of weeding us out and beating us up pretty hard. So that's I think the number one thing you need to have before you step into this. Um, As far as women are concerned, I think it's really important that one of the best things that you could do for yourself is to connect yourself with other women in the craft. And WIFTA, that's the main goal of WIFTA, or WIFT, the national one. It's to connect you with other women. And these are female producers at the national level, at the local level, at the regional level. Producers, directors, writers, cinematographers, editors, uh, sound designers, craftsmen, uh, different kinds of uh, uh, costume designers, set, everything. Its focus is for women. And thankfully, because there's so much work coming into this region... There are a lot of artists who maybe they followed along with a team from Los Angeles or from New York or from the Carolinas who came here and all of a sudden they find themselves, you know what, I'm editing this, I'm editing this for Turner Broadcasting, but I've been interested in producing my own content. And when you join WIFTA, if you, there's a discount for students um, or recently graduated. I think it's half the price. And you can become a member for really cheap. And becoming a member means that you have free access to all of the events that they have. But if you don't have the money, you can volunteer Mm. for these events. And you can get a feel for everything that's going on in the city that way. You will come in contact with all of these professionals that are trying to produce their own content. And there's a lot happening. And the other connection, too, is... At uh, the Atlanta Film Festival, we've been seeing more and more female-produced work coming through the festival. So that's another outlet for you to connect into as as a woman. When you know who you are, you can better assess what you want to do and how you want to make your mark in the world, even if you don't know how to get there. But that will help you to connect with like-minded people. Right. And if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you want to say in the world, then you're just going to be floundering Yeah, and floating around. And you're leaving it to chance to find you, which can happen, but uh, it takes a lot longer and it's a lot harder.
1: Yeah, it's hard. I think, you know, as I'm processing your advice, which is fantastic advice. I think the hard part for most people is uh, I, th- I think we take it for granted that we sort of know who we are, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Most of the time we don't know. I mean, sometimes I still don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a lifelong... It, that's it a is. lifelong journey. It is a lifelong journey. And it continues to evolve. As we continue to have different life experiences, we continue to evolve. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't know who you are right now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it, because it it functions as a compass. Yeah. for you. That's why that's so critical. And it also functions as a safety net. Because if you know who you are, then you know what what your boundaries are and what you will allow others to do to you and what you will allow to happen to you.
1: It's really interesting because I feel like uh, when I when I'm working as a cinematographer, and I think it's true for almost all of the trades, like it's it's hard to make any decision w- if, unless you have the script. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, everything, every decision you may make about a project, y- you know, you have nowhere to go from if you don't have a script, mm-hmm. because your choices are motivated by that script exactly. and motivated by what story you're trying to tell, and mm-hmm. there are other factors as well, but. I think uh it's similar until you really know who you are what's what's good for you what is and what is not acceptable mm-hmm. what you believe in it's so hard to make like all of the rest of the decisions mm-hmm. like uh it's tough to make them and yeah. I I think that it, there's a there's a there's something parallel going on there I I'm having a hard time eloquently verbalizing it but it's almost like if you're shooting a film and you don't have the script, you won't be able to make any decisions if you're yeah. working in any way in in probably any aspect yeah. of life but I think in in a lot of these uh art related careers, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we're challenged in different ways that yeah. you do need to to have that script for yourself yeah. almost yeah. you know
0: yeah no, I think that's a wonderful that's a wonderful parallel i mean the your story. You don't have a story without a plot. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to cut, step into this. When you step out into the world, you have to come out, step into it plotted. Yeah. You and, and that's part of the grounding. You have to come out plotted. That doesn't mean that you have to have every single thing worked out. That's not it. It's just you have to have you, your your person, your soul, sorted out, knowing who you mm-hmm. are, what you're about, what you bring to the table. And most of all, knowing that you have value. Mm. So to the women out there, I say, yes, this is predominantly a male-dominated industry. And my response to that is, so what? So what if it's male-dominated? That doesn't matter. What matters is who you are, what you bring to the table, and you being faithful to that. Because, you know, you're going to you're going to be able to make your mark in the way in in the world. You're you're going to figure that out and you're going to figure that out in a more solid way versus someone who steps out into the world, not knowing who they are. And just. It's the difference between showing up and saying, I'm here and asking for permission. Can I come?
1: Ah, yeah.
0: Women don't have to say, can I come? They don't have to ask. YouTube changed that for crying out loud. You don't have to ask permission. Right. You just make. You just show up and you say, here I am. Put me to work. What can I do? How can I plug me into what you're doing? Mm. That's the attitude that you have to step out into the world with. Don't come in groveling and asking for permission. You have to be respectful of those who have gone before you because you're not entitled to anything. And that's something that I would say to all young people coming out. Yeah. We're not entitled to anything. None of us is, especially under the shadow of someone who's paid their dues. So be respectful. But, but be respectful in a grounded way. Yeah. Be very open to what there is to learn because there is so much to learn. But, yeah, you don't have to ask for permission, ladies. You're, you're part of, of the human race, and you have a place. So show us how you want your place to look like and what, you, what story you want your place to tell. There's, there are no barriers for women anymore.
1: Hmm. Wow. Well, this has been fantastic. <laughs> um, I cannot. Uh, I think that's a great note to end on. And uh, I'm so thankful it worked out for us to I get know. together. And um, yeah. And
0: then we got to do it in this super cool space. Oh, my goodness. I yeah. don't think I'll have another interview like this or another conversation like this again.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's it's sort of weird. Yeah. But hopefully in a mostly good way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's been fantastic. I will I will count this as a very dear memory. Well, very cool. Not just because this is your schoolie that you worked so hard on, that you and your family worked so hard on, and yeah. then traveled around with, but also that this conversation happened with you, yeah. whom whom with part of my journey, whom I've shared part of my journey with. Yeah. Yeah. So long ago.
1: Yeah, and I don't think we really addressed that but you yeah. you were my teacher yes! yeah.
0: <laughs> so it was your Bible teacher <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> yep and a lot of the experiences that you uh, related I could relate to because it's interesting because I was a student of yours you know when you were um, you know fresh out of college mm-hmm. and then I started teaching very soon after after going to college so i I experienced that same yeah dynamic except for at the college level where the ages were even more similar i yeah. think and um yeah anyway
0: yeah. a lot of parallels yeah most definitely and yeah. how cool is it that we live in the in the same town even though we never see each other I know, right? <laughs> but we've been able to collaborate on a few things and yeah, it's just right. been a lovely journey yeah it's been a lovely it's been lovely to see what you've created and the mark that you've made in the world well, thank you. Including yeah. the schoolie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, thank
1: you. All right. What an amazing journey. Uh, quite a lot there to ponder whether you're interested in pursuing acting or another career. I think there's, there's a lot there to, to consider. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of Pictures Up. And uh, we hope you will join us again next time.